Welcome to the Rainmaker Fundraising Podcast, where you'll get actionable tips and advice on major gifts, direct response fundraising, legacy giving, and much more from leading experts in the nonprofit sector. Before we get into today's episode, I've got three important updates for you. If you want to increase your success with mid-level and major gift fundraising, you need to grab a copy of Rainmaking, the Fundraiser's Guide to Landing Big Gifts. This book is in use by more than 3,000 nonprofits and has helped raise over a quarter of a billion dollars for charitable causes since 2013. As a leader and practitioner in the nonprofit sector, you may also be looking for a guide to help you navigate some of the biggest challenges that you face. That's why in 2019, I brought together 28 key leaders and fundraisers from across our sector to share their insights and help leaders like you avoid making costly mistakes. My newest book, 101 Biggest Mistakes Nonprofits Make and How You Can Avoid Them, is currently in the hands of more than 1,500 nonprofit leaders, helping them to navigate those key challenges. It can help you too. And you can get either of these resources or both of them simply by going out to Amazon today. The third thing that I've got for you is a request. If you enjoy this podcast and the conversations we have, I'd greatly appreciate you going out to Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen and doing two things. If you can go out and give us a rating, then write us a brief review, I'd really appreciate it. Those two things help us find other listeners and they help me continue to secure great guests that'll bring valuable content and insights to you. So please take a minute today to go out and give us a rating and a quick review. It'll only take a minute to do. Thanks so much. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show today. I am so excited to have with us today Dr. Charles Owuba, who leads Action Against Hunger USA's organization. He's the uh, chief executive officer and has provided leadership and strategic direction for the organization uh, to more than 1,600 staff across seven countries uh, as they serve more than 17 million people in 46 nations. Dr. Owuba is passionate humanitarian with extensive experience in program design, monitoring and evaluation of relief and development programs. And he brought a deep technical expertise and analytical rigor to collaborating with local communities around things like sustainable water and food security programs uh, in the developing world. Dr. Owuba is deeply committed to achieving Action Against Hunger's mission to end global hunger and save lives by preventing, detecting and treating malnutrition. Uh, Dr. Owuba, thank you so much for being here today with us. Well, thank you very much, uh, Andrew, for this opportunity to speak with you. Um, I'm delighted that we can have this uh, discussion. Before we get into our uh, discussion on, on leadership, I would love if you take a few more minutes and uh, share a little bit more about yourself uh, with our listeners and also um, a little bit more about Action Against Hunger. Okay. Thank you. So Charles Ouba, originally from Ghana, and uh, came to the U.S. to do my graduate studies and then decided to I'm going to the humanitarian development world just for two years and then take the ideas back to the classroom to teach. Hmm. 20 plus years later, I'm still in this business because of what it means for me. Joy and happiness, satisfaction, hmm. knowing that the little things we do here and there go miles and miles and miles to be able to help people. So that's why I'm still in this industry. Action Against Hunger, uh, we've been around for more than 40 years. And our whole purpose was to ensure that the mother, the child, the, the parents in the communities would be able to access food so that they're well nourished. We pay attention uh, to the child because we strongly believe that if the child is well nourished 
especially between the ages of zero and five, they are well nourished, the world will be better off. Mm. We know that productivity will increase. That is the moment, right? Zero to five, where children develop many of these cognitive skills, their capability to learn, to make good judgment, to stay focused, all of those things are packed within those early years. So we pay particular attention to that kind of work. And we are all over the world in more than 45 countries. That's what we do at Ashton Gives Hunger. Well, uh, that's incredibly important work, especially with what's gone on with with the COVID crisis in the last year. And, and, you know, I know that there were certainly challenges globally before that. And the work that you were doing was important before that. But I can imagine that uh, that it's only gotten more serious since then. W- would you agree? I do agree, Andrew. OK, well, uh, let's let's get into to the leadership conversation. So, you know, kind of around that same talk, topic about the last year, you know, I know, and what I hear from other nonprofit organizations is that this, you know, the last 18 months really have um, have changed people beyond what anybody expected. What's the biggest challenge that you face personally uh, related to all of the, the crisis that's gone on? And what did you learn about yourself in the process? Andrew, for me, it was simple. Simple as in working from home and not being able to interact with staff. Mm-hmm not being able to visit our operations in their field was a struggle for me. Very difficult. Hmm. Because being able to feel and touch our work has been an important part of my career. And so not being able to do that was challenging. I have to tell you that. In terms of what I've learned, that I am a very social person who derives derives energy from being around others. That's where my energy comes from. So staying in my you know, little office at home and working this day and night has not been exciting at, at all. But one other thing I have learned is that in all these things, I should endeavor to stick to the things that really make me tick. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's something that I have learned, Andrew. That's a great insight. You know, uh, the next question I have for you is really around values. And I'm curious to know as a leader, what values are most important to you and how do you go about integrating those into the culture at Action Against Hunger? I have a couple, right, Andrew? Uh, The first one is integrity. (laughs) Second is humility. Third, being bold. And fourth, making a difference. And how I'm doing that action against hunger, simple, leading by example, inculcating these values in my senior team members so that they can exhibit these values and in turn influence the staff and others in the organization. So for me, it's about values in action. Rather than preaching it, we exhibit it to them. We need to exhibit it to them. That's what we're trying to do. I love so that. So if I look at humility, it's being able to, you know, in the field, being able to listen carefully to our beneficiaries so that we can have a better way of, you know, helping them. I, I love that a lot. And, you know, I think I've had a lot of these conversations with, with other leaders in our sector. You're the first one to say that 
that boldness is something that you value. And I really appreciate that. I'm wondering, could you, could you share an example of, of a time when you've um, kind of had to lean into that boldness and how that's played out? Yes. So many years ago, I was in East Africa overseeing the region in my previous organization. And we had gone through a drought process, right? You know, East Africa, every other year they go through drought. So there I was with my team thinking through, how will this one be different because we're facing a drought? And when we did the analysis, we realized that, in fact, we have the tools already, not just within my own organization at the time, but you know, other organizations also had it. So we came together, did all the strategy thinking and other, and we said, we need to be big and bold. We need to go beyond the regular work that we've done and be able to engage with donors as well. So with that bold vision of connecting all NGOs together to have one purpose of solving this issue, initially looked difficult, but it worked out well. I had to go to Brussels and met with the EU, and guess what we did? The, the humanitarian arm and the development arm, we were to bring them together to be able to listen to what is coming from the field. And since then, the programs that we've been doing in East Africa, all NGOs, we've realized that they've been listening to us and that is already beginning to take place. That was a bold move that we have to do. Awesome, thank you for sharing that. You know, as a leader of a global organization, I'm curious uh, how you're navigating and, and helping your organization navigate the, the issues around diversity, equity, and inclusion that have uh, sprung up you know, in a more pronounced way over the last year, and how, how you work that across uh, cultural and geographic boundaries. It's, you know, the truth is it's, it's challenging, Andrew. Anyone who says it's easy is probably not speaking the truth. It's very challenging. But a simple truth is that a hungry world is an, an unequal world. Hmm. And so from our perspective, I mean, as we speak, 690 million people will go to bed hungry today. Wow. That should give us a sense of how unequal the world is. In terms of thinking about the issue, Andrew, I look at it from the standpoint of the systems and the structures that perpetuate this inequality. And so, you know, first there is an internal component that is internal to my own organization. And uh, this goes right to the policies, you know, that govern the thousands of staff that we have in the organization and what we need to do about it. So we've been challenged to think critically about ourselves and how we can be, you know, do things better. The, the external part has to do with our advocacy work, right? Mm-hmm. Being able to work closely with government and with local leaders to be able to address the needs, you know, uh, of the most marginalized people in, in society. So as I've pondered, you know, over this, Andrew, I believe the most basic step toward a more equitable world is our work to ensure that every life is well nourished. So that they can have the energy and drive to fend for themselves. Amen. I I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm I'm curious if you could share with us, and I've been doing a lot of thinking around crisis in the last couple of months, and I'm wondering if you could share um, the the most significant crisis you ever faced as a leader and what you learned from that. Yes. So I take you back to my East Africa days when I was overseeing the um, nine countries in the region. And it was about 
my staff getting kidnapped in Darfur. Wow. Andrew, you can read about it. Someone can tell you about it. But when you're in the midst of it, it is scary and it's difficult. It was challenging. Wow. Yeah. And since then, I have come to value, you know, the humanitarian worker much more than I did when I began my career. That our lives are somehow, to put it so fragile, we are here today, we can be gone tomorrow because of the, the humanitarian space is shrinking. And so the work that we do with the insurgents and others, uh, it, it's, quite, it's quite dangerous. The good news is that we were able to secure our staff. And so she came out quite well and there was, there was joy. Wow. You know, that's a crisis that I would not have expected for anyone to share. And it's, I can imagine that it's a, you know, a significant challenge, um, but a great learning from it. Thank you. Um, the, the next question I want to talk with you about is really, you know, I'm curious to know as, as the you know, senior executive in your organization, what role do you play in shaping your organization's brand and fundraising culture? I think it's understanding that the strongest brands start from the inside out. Hmm. Therefore, every person who works for us is a brand ambassador. I mean, the research is clear, right? So that's my starting point. And so every day I work to ensure that Action Against Hunger's brand and fundraising culture actually defined by, let me say, three things. The first one has to do with the accountability to the donor, to beneficiaries and to staff. So it's about us as an organization being so data-driven, being able to use the metrics to really, you know, take our, you know, donors on a journey and let them know, you know, how well we are doing. Same thing for our beneficiaries, but also to our staff. Our staff are the connectors between our work in the field and our donors. Unless and until they know, they understand, they feel it and can speak to the issues easily, how do we expect them to become ambassadors? And so we spend time there to be able to share with them. The second point is about innovation. We have come to know that the world needs a better way to deal with hunger. Therefore, we ensure what I would call relentless incrementalism in all aspects of our work. But then also we engage in research to uncover truth and new evidence to make our programs even more effective. And then the third one about our brand is it's also about trusted partnerships. So my role has been to deepen these partnerships to make us more effective, but also to make our programs even more um, sustainable, Andrew. Well, that is, I think, the best definition of, of the role that a C-level executive plays uh, around brand and fundraising. And I love uh, your perspective on uh, the fact that everybody in your organization is a brand ambassador and how much care you pay and attention you pay to that. That's, that's really encouraging. You know, you mentioned innovation. I want to talk a little bit more about that, particularly around, you know, kind of emerging technologies, right? So Technology is changing so fast right now. Um, I'd love to just hear some some thoughts from you on how uh, how your team is uh, embracing or thinking about uh, emerging technology and how it might play a role in some of your program development and delivery. And also, is is there a corollary on the fundraising side? Like, mm. how, how does how are you approaching the idea and the issue of of changes in technology? Mm. 
Well, first of all, it, technology is a game changer. We all know that, but I think it's even going to be much more important as we go forward, right? Every in our own homes, everything now is technology. They are, you know, connected. So we know it's going to be a game changer for a very long time. So as a leader, I encourage the entire organization to innovate and harness the technology to improve, you know, the outcomes and measure our effectiveness both in our programs and in our fundraising. Uh, let me talk about the program outcomes, you know, to give you an example. So in West Africa, we have been able to utilize satellite imagery to be able to guide pastoralists and communities to be able to find the pasture in the Sahel hmm. and to be able to find water. If you live in the Sahel, you must be learn, you must learn to be efficient. You just don't walk around because it's a very hostile environment. It's dry. Hmm. So by utilizing satellite imagery and making sure that the data is refined through the Sentinel site that we've set up, we are able to guide you know, communities to be able to go to where they can find uh, pasture and where they can find water as well you know, for the animals. Because you know, uh, livestock is, is a key role, right? It plays sure. a key role in the economy in that part of you know, the world. When it comes to marketing, I think my emphasis so far has been on analytics. And I think it, it comes from my own academic background that with analytics, we can learn so much about, you know, understanding our donors' preferences, their behaviors, and how to provide them with the stories and messages that resonate with them, right? If you're dealing with somebody, it is important that you know exactly how that person thinks and, you know, behaves, right? So that we can tailor our messages to be able to then uh, engage with them effectively. Uh, I'll give an example based on our the analytics that we have. We have access to clean water is is a powerful program that attracts some of our most generous donors. Mm. And so we know that it's actually important the work that we do. Right? How do you treat hunger? How do you address the underlying causes of hunger without having access to clean drinking water? So this is becoming a huge part of our program. And that is actually coming from uh, being able to utilize metrics to be able to do our work. That's fascinating. I, I love both on the program side and the development side, you know, the, the way that you all are thinking about technology and, and uh, advances there. And I mean, just the, the idea of using the satellite imagery to, to help guide people to find, you know, pasture land and clean water. That, that's brilliant. Um, thank you for sharing that. You know, so the, my next question um, is really about sort of Kind of trying to, to foretell the future, right? I, I think, and I, I think just based on what you've shared in a couple of other responses, you probably would agree with me that a lot's probably going to change in our industry in the next decade or so. What are you doing right now to prepare your organization to thrive in the midst of what might be continuous change? So for me, it's about being nimble but within the larger framework of our strategy, right? As an organization, we, we have our strategy. We just, you know, um, the board approved our five-year strategy. Okay. It's about being nimble, but also sticking to it, right? Because if it is true that, you know, that a strategy is an ongoing dialogue of alignment, then we need to be able to make those switches here and there as we go forward. So that's the first one. Second one, Andrew, is that, as someone who's been in industry before, this industry for you know, quite a while, 
there are signs. There are indications of how things would be different in the future. We cannot be so sure, but there are indications of where, how things would go. I'll give an example. We know that organizations that fail to have alliances and partnerships underground will struggle. Therefore, in action against hunger, we are intensifying our local partnership efforts. Because if you look at a broad area of funding, going back to 20, 30 years ago, it is gradually shifting to the, the uh, community-based organizations, the local NGOs and others. So the question for us, and those of us in this industry, is how do we then evolve to be able to be much more effective in supporting them so that we can even be more effective in our So it's about those partnerships that we intensify in our you know, organization, Andrew, to be able to go forward. Perfect. Makes a lot of sense. So my, my last question for you, and then I'll let you go for the day. Uh, I'm, I'm really interested to hear how you think about and approach talent development and succession planning in your organization. Mm. So it's about uh, everybody having the opportunity to learn on the job in the organization, being able to learn on the job, but also exposing them to new thinking and knowledge through communities of practice, right? So within your field, if you're a monitoring and evaluation person or your, your sectoral expertise in health, is about the health people within the organization, is about the monitoring and evaluation people within the organization, forming these communities of practice and coming together to be able to then learn together to be able to move. That's the first part. The second part, you know, Andrew, is utilizing the performance evaluation system to select the best and the brightest, but also those who have the capacity to be able to become leaders and then mentor them. And then the last one, Andrew, is every position in the organization having a successor who is being mentored, but also being challenged to take on new uh, assignments. And, and that means that my senior team members themselves being aware of the need to think through who's going to succeed them, they will not lose their jobs. In fact, once you have someone in your who's doing very well, the next level is available to you. So I see it as an organization-wide issue and not just you know, uh, in pockets. So that's how we're encouraging my staff and working with the HR to be able to do this and do it well. Really smart approach. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you know what? I said it was going to be the last question. I have one more for you, if you don't mind. Sure. In, in the, the role that you have, the work that you do, it's got to be stressful. I, I can't imagine, you know, facing you know, so many people who are so in need and knowing that your work um, could literally um, save a life and, and not wanting to, you know, the, the stress of not wanting to, um, mess anything up or, or have mistakes that that cost people on the ground um you know uh, so I'm, I'm curious to know how as a as a leader do you how do you deal with that kind of stress and what do you do to uh to be able to come to work refreshed every day mm. that's a difficult question andrew <laughs> um i'll say this that being in this industry itself, right? Once you make that choice, it's a sacrifice that we have made. So mm. we know that you're going to be sacrificing for a very long time, but the rewards are so great. So that is a source of joy. 
So even when I come across challenges and difficulties, I quickly go back to somebody that I met in Southern Africa, a woman who had her children, all of them having HIV and AIDS and everything. And the next day you walk in and this mother is running to you to embrace you and saying thank you for helping my family survive. That's a, a source of joy. So with those challenges, we know those good days will come. But then also, I'm a person of faith. So my internal strength helps me a lot. Most of the time I will recoil. And as a person of faith, just have that communication between me and my savior, right? To be able to then make that strong connection. So through that, I'm rejuvenated. And I'll be able to come back knowing that there is a better way and tomorrow is going to be better than, than today. So that's how I deal with it, Andrew. I love that. Thank you. And thank you for taking the extra, extra question. I appreciate it. If someone wants to support Action Against Hunger, what's the best way for them to do that? Our website. You go to our website, you would find that, that we are one of the most efficient organizations. And our cause is so clear because hunger, I mean, Andrew, food, a basic right for human beings. There are 690 million people going hungry tonight because they wouldn't have enough food to eat. Please go to our website and help us to make sure that we can help a lot more people around the world. Wonderful. I will, I will absolutely link to that in the show notes as well. Thank you again for being here. I really appreciate the conversation with you today. Thank you, Randy. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Rainmaker Fundraising Podcast. Please take a moment to rate this episode on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. When you rate this episode, it will help more nonprofit leaders just like you to help find us and get the information that they need to raise more funds for their organization. Thanks again for listening today.